The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. All right. Thanks for joining us again for another edition of Winning Ponies. Hope you had a slew of winners from our picks last week where we went down to the fairgrounds with Ryan Martin and gave our picks. Uh, This week, well, it's going to be a very interesting show, I do believe. It is the weekend of the Pegasus World Cup, and we've got uh, the two main races are the World Cup Invitational, so this is going to be the grass race going a mile and three-sixteenths, horses coming in from across the pond. Of course, a big grass race in the United States wouldn't be the same without Aiden O'Brien coming over. He was already over here for the Philly Amer Turf in the Breeders' Cup, uh, where Magic Wand ran fourth to Sister Charlie. And uh, this horse has uh, been knocking on the door in some of the bigger races over in France and Ireland, uh, right now installed at 9-2. to two. Now, the favorite is a Japanese bred who's done most of his racing in North America and is trained by none other than the great Bill Mott. Uh, there's also another Japanese bred in there, Aerolith, if I'm saying that correct. This horse has won over $3 million. It's a roan mare coming over to take on the boys. Um, only won one race last year, but still eked out. million dollars made quite a name for herself the year before were six starts two seconds and two thirds of course you know those purses in japan can be uh, pretty inflated at times then it's time for the big and ladies and gentlemen nine million dollars on the line the grade one pegasus World Cup Invitational. They'll go nine furlongs on the main track. And the horse installed as the favorite at nine to five will find out in a short while whether or not Accelerate is horse of the year. But uh, Accelerate, with this new format of the Pegasus, it allows uh, horses to get one more big one in before they go off to stud, if that be their choice and they not be gelded. And Accelerate, of course, last year only lost one race, and that was to a horse by the name of City of Light in the Oak Lawn Handicap. So he went seven starts, six wins, and a second for earnings of over $5 million. And, of course, finished out the season with that great run in the Breeders' Cup Classic. So this son of looking at Lucky is going to be looking at retirement at Lane's End. And I believe it will only take one van to get Accelerate and City of Light back to Lexington. Because City of Light, this uh, now five-year-old, will also be retired to Lane's End. So those are the two biggest. There are, uh, I believe, five other stakes on the card i know there's at least four uh 
the grade three William McKnight, 200,000 going a mile and a half on the turf. Hope it's good weather because also on the turf, the La Provente will be run. It's a grade three going a mile and a half. So that one there is for the girls and uh, McKnight pretty much for the boys at that rare distance. Now, our guest, good guy, anybody that's ever met him, loves him. I don't think he's got an enemy in the world. Trainer Buff Bradley. Uh, he and his father at their small farm in uh, Frankfort, Kentucky, uh, have been raising horses for decades. And with such a small operation, they still come up hitting home runs with horses like Brass Hat, of course, two-time Eclipse winner, Groupie Doll. And in the recent year, uh, a very interesting horse by the name of the player who's got uh, quite a few quirks. We want to talk about that. And we want to talk about his life-saving surgery uh, after he had a terrible accident in the uh, New Orleans handicap. And uh, luckily, he survived because of his laid-back attitude. This horse can nap for eight hours at a time. So Buff's down at the fairgrounds. And also, he doesn't know that uh, I'm going to ask him about Divine Queen, uh, who's going to be running in the American Beauty at Oaklawn Park. Of course, Oaklawn Park opening up this week and uh the headliner on opening day will be the smarty jones the first step along the road to the kentucky derby if you're going there by way of oak lawn park so following up buff's appearance we hope to have pete aiello who's a longtime handicapper and has ascended to the ranks of some of the best track announcers in North America. Of course, he calls the races down at Gulfstream. So he is watching the Gulfstream card very, very close. Okay, so hope to have Buff, hope to have Pete, and glad that you're here. Of course, Accelerate and City Light will be meeting for the last time. has been the biggest uh, headline in, in the Pegasus. Uh, and so uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how that lays out. Again, uh, accelerate given the slight nod. Uh, and as far as the first race we mentioned, the World Cup turf, it looks like that Yoshida is going to headline that race uh, at 5-2, to two, just over that horse of Aiden O'Brien's I alluded to, Magic Wand, earlier in the show. Uh, so those are the big races that are up for Saturday. Now, last week, quite a card at Gulfstream. We hope we can ask Pete about this, the Sunshine Millions. And uh, the only jockey to win multiple stakes last week was Javier Castellano. And he gets the Jockey Guild Foundation Jockey of the Week. He led all North American jockeys by stakes earnings last week. Again, the only jockey to win two stakes both of those coming at Gulfstream Park. Uh, so uh, Castellano just has been unbelievable. Um, he comes from Venezuela, uh, began riding in the U.S. in 1997. He is now on the Eclipse Award for Outstanding Jockey four times and has been inducted into the National Museum Racing Hall of Fame back in 2017 and last fall you may recall we reported this on winning ponies he reached the five thousand dollar win mark now while mentioning many ponies reminds me to remind you that uh, we've had some 
good luck with the easy win forms. Um, Laurel, we've been killing it at Laurel. If you're playing down there uh, on the 19th at a $1 super box that paid $7,200 on the same day, a 50 cent super high five that returned $4,900. And on the same day, hope you were playing on the 19th, folks, a $1 super key paid $2,327. You get your easy win forms very fairly priced at winningponies.com for any track you want to play in North America. Uh, let's move on to some of the races we looked at last week. Of course, uh, mentioned that we went to the fairgrounds. And uh, we'll start with the big one, and that was the LeCompte. And, of course, this one being a stepping stone to horses heading for the Kentucky Derby through the Louisiana Trail. And uh, in this race... The winner was, drum roll please, War of Will. Yes, I pulled down a winner. Didn't pay a whole lot, 5.20, but uh, was rated perfectly by uh, Tyler Gaffleone. Uh, was never really hit and made a strong run. I mean, you know, he has just made such an impression on everybody because he comes from off the pace. He looks like he'll run all day. Now, again, if you were listening last week, we talked about this horse uh, being a son of Warfront. So Mark Cassie just assumed he'd love the grass and he has just blossomed. He's undefeated on the main track. Came into this race just off a maiden special win at Churchill Downs. His nickname is Wow, War of Will. And let me tell you, he was Wow in the LeCompte last week. Uh, in the second spot was a 13-1 shot called Hog Creek Hustle, trained by Vicki Foley. And uh, in the third spot, way out there on the outside, was Manny Wah at 9-1. to The cat sends that one to post. So, wow, wowed him in the LeCompte. We'll see if wow can wow his way into a berth in the Kentucky Derby. Now, for the ladies looking to get to the Kentucky Oaks, uh, they were at the fairgrounds last week in the mile and 70 yards silver bullet day. And the winner in there needs supervision. You know, we did a lot of handicapping for the slop, Ryan Martin and I. And as it turns out, it was a pretty decent day and the track was fast, but needs supervision. Didn't need a sloppy track to get the job done at five to two. Joe Rocco in the saddle in the second spot. At 31 to 1 was Ayers 2, and running third was Grandaria, who was the slight favorite coming into this race off two consecutive wins at Churchill Downs and had a win over the fairground strip. And the last race that we did look at was the Colonel E. Bradley handicap. This one going a mile and a 16th on the turf, and a nice rally. From the Mark Cassie trained first premio, my man, Brian Hernandez in the saddle. Very well-judged ride. First premio taking down this $125,000 stakes race. And uh, in the second spot was Sir Dudley Diggs 
uh, horse that's shown that he likes the fairgrounds. I uh, was only off the board one time and came home second in this race. And in the third spot, it was great wide open. The three to five odds on choice just pulled Jimmy Graham to the front. Looked like Jimmy was doing all he could to try to ratchet him down. Uh, this horse has been reeling off 100 buyer speed figures. So tried to go to the front, tried to go all the way, but couldn't do it. This was to be first premios day so that was a look at the races that we handicapped last week again we will be getting into the races down at Gulfstream park later in the show but until then we're going to take a little break and we come back we're going to be with one of the best guys in the game of racing his name is buff bradley and we're going to be talking about his unique horse the player i'm john Engelhart, and you're listening to winning ponies Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me is Buff Bradley. I was so happy when I got the text back saying, sure, John, I'll do the show. Just make sure you remind me. He is a busy man. Uh, He's got a slew of horses in at the fairgrounds over the weekend, and I hope he finally picked up some help because the last time I talked to him, he was the the feed man, uh, the hot walker. Uh, (laughs) He was uh, the trainer. He was coming back to feed the horses at night. He was a one-man band down there at the fairgrounds buff did you get any help well we're we're still doing that part-time anyhow we got the rest of it we did do have a little bit more help now well listen it, it's great talking to you and uh, uh let, let me tell you you're, you're a working man's hero for somebody that's uh you know had uh, you know champions horses win in dubai uh, you know glory horses like uh 
your girl groupie doll there and, you know, watching you on the Breeders' Cup and then seeing you at the sale and uh, have, having groupie doll bring enough money that'll certainly uh, survive the farm for a while. And then uh, just, uh, oh, I think it was within a half an hour when she was sold, you were called over and asked if you'd take upon training duties again. Yeah, and that, that was special and uh, for a great owner and Mandy Pope and being able to uh, train her again and letting the mare go out as a winner was really special. Absolutely. Well, I'll be looking forward to seeing her babies in the years ahead. You know, she had such class and talent and speed, uh, and, and I'm sure they'll be breeding her to the best of the best. Uh, that will be fun for everybody to watch down the road. Who knows? Maybe Mandy will say, hey. Buff, you want to train one of her babies? And I'm sure you wouldn't turn that offer down. No, I wouldn't. Well, um, there's a, a little place called Indian Ridge Farm near Frankfort, Kentucky. I, I don't think you're going to challenge the the cool moors of the world or some of the bigger farms in Kentucky. Uh, it's kind of a family affair. You're extremely hands-on. And into your life came... Angus, his nickname for the player. And uh, tell me about, I mean, you were there in his earliest days. When did you find out that uh, he was kind of the class clown? Well, uh, you know, when uh, Kim and and our kids would go down there and try to get him up to take him outside with his mother, and uh, Kim would take the mother, and the kids would try to get him up to take him out, and... uh, he just wouldn't get up. He would just, he would lie there and um, kind of refuse a little bit. And the mother's going crazy. And most babies are going to jump up and run after their mother. He wouldn't do that. And <laughs> we were kind of worried about him at first. And then um, uh, then we realized that's just going to be his trait. And he, when he was ready to get up and go, he got up and, and went with his mom. Yeah, you know, that, that instinctively, that had to be a, a little frustrating for his dam. Yeah, she was a little bit freaked out about it, and she's more of a, she could be a little nervous anyhow. When the other mares start falling, she starts walking the stall like she's falling, so um, she gets a little excited anyhow, but uh, with with him not cooperating with what she wanted, it, it was frustrating for her. Now, uh, the... the- Anybody that's been following racing on a regular basis has heard about the player and has watched the stories as his career evolved. But uh, he, he he's done something I never saw any other horse do, and that's basically to kind of – he sits like a dog, and I guess he would do that out in the, the paddock, and it actually worried you to the point that you thought maybe he had some kind of uh, hip or some kind of injury that caused him to want to yeah. sit like that. T- tell us that story. Yeah. Yeah, and we thought it was neurological, and um, he he would do it. Um, uh, he would sit like a dog, and he would do a 360. He would turn, and he watched everything as he turned. And we thought, he can't get up, or what's he doing? And he did this as a, as a baby. And um, I sent him to Dr. Bob Hunt at Haggard's, and he'd send him home, and he'd say, he's fine, there's nothing wrong. Um, sent him back a second time and he called me up and he said, Buff, there's nothing wrong with this horse. He's <laughs> just that way. Just, just, just deal with it. He, he's fine. And, and, um, I said, okay. So we didn't send him back over there <laughs> for a while, but, uh, he, you know, 
he um, he got his he got his name Angus through when he was sent over there early on to Haggard's um, in his first couple of days as a foe. He wasn't doing as well, and so we sent him over there precautionary. Uh, Dr. Nathan Slovis said, "Oh, he's a rock star." And uh, at the time, my ex-wife is is naming all the foals that were foaling after bands and groups and, and rock stars. So she went with Angus Young and ACDC. So that's how he got his name. <laughs> now, one of the other things, oh, oh, by the way, folks, you can go see this horse. Well, we'll get to when you can see him at Crestwood Farm, but he's got his own Facebook page. And when you go through that, and you'll see it's a very personal touch of Buffs. There's a lot of photos and videos that, that Buff has taken on his Facebook page. But his other quirk was his want to, while napping, nap with his head under the gate outside the stall just in case he wanted to see what was going on in the shed row. Now, tell us about that, when that habit started and uh, yeah. how you dealt with it. Well, that started early on, even as a two-year-old and our, our gates are only about a foot to a foot and a half off the, off the ground. So if you ever see a head go underneath the gate, you get kind of worried that they're going to hit it coming up or if something spooked him. But it was really amazing that he would get his head, not just a little bit out there, but all the way out there. And, um, and people would come up and just pet him or feed him a peppermint while he's lying there. And, and, <laughs> And he never moves. And to watch him get up, I mean, you could run right up to him, and he would not jump or flinch. You know, he was just that smart. And he he knows how to maneuver and pull his head back to get back underneath it. I never saw him hit, not one time, never hit his head. And it was amazing that, that he could do it. And I've seen a horse or two do that before and still have a horse every now and then do it, and you're just, like, very cautious, like, oh, gosh, I hope they don't hit themselves. Right. Up. But then you don't see him do it again. He would do it religiously every day. And I probably the day that I remember the most is on Derby Day when you have everybody on the backside and you got kids running up to him, petting him on his head, feeding him peppermints, and, um, just loving all over him. He's lying there just taking it all in. <laughs> Well, uh, he ended up having a fabulous career before the end. Uh, what, did any of his quirks come into his training, or when all of a sudden you decided, hey, son, uh, play date's over, we're putting a saddle on you, you're becoming a racehorse. Uh, was that an interesting or easy method for you because he had such a great personality? Well, you know, you know, we thought we were, uh, as you hope, as every horse that you breed and raise, can run a little bit, but um, we noticed early on that he was he had some nice works. Um, so, you know, we felt like that he was going to to be a, a decent enough racehorse, and and he ran fourth his first time out at uh, Churchill and had a, a pretty bad trip. Um, in fact, had to be checked hard, and I, and we figured that he did chip his knee in that start in his first start, so he had time off right after his first start. We elected to go in there and just take that little chip out and um, give him some more time to to uh, mature. And I'll say, well, you know, we've got a hundred stories of him and, and uh, um, on the farm with the, you know, the kids can tell you how they call for him and go try to get him in. And 
he'd jump up and start chasing them and they'd diving over fences. And <laughs> I know I called, I, I called my help one time and said, y'all have got to get me out of this paddock. I was mowing with the tractor and bush hog and he's trying to climb up on the bush hog while I'm mowing the other two colts that he was with as, as yearlings. They're standing over in the corner, staying away from the tractor and bush hog, but not him. He was chasing me. I thought he was going <laughs> to climb up in the tractor with me. So uh, he was, but I, I, he was a character. He, he really was and, and, and probably still will be. Well, you know, you developed him in, into, a, into a fine horse. Uh, he's a son of street hero. Uh, you know, he was second by three quarters of a link to, to Cupid in the Indiana Derby and then, uh, you know, went on to become a stakes winner. And uh, then, uh, you know, I, Gate to Wire and the Mine Shaft. I mean, you had a racehorse on your hands and it does happen sometimes. It's just a, it's just a, a freak injury. And, uh, you know, y- y- your heart just had to sink so much down there uh, at, at the fairgrounds when that happened. But I think because of his ability to rest and relax from what I'm reading between the lines, that had to help him heal despite the severity of his injury. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, when it happened and, and those injuries are, they're really tough. I mean, that, that was, you know, we, it could have been the end of the road for him. Uh, luckily Calvin pulled him up quickly. Calvin knew something was wrong immediately. And, um, I'm very thankful for that and having somebody that really knew the horse, um, on him and, um, he knew when things went wrong, so uh, and he held on to him when he jumped off, and, and when I ran to him, we got you know we got him on the van and, and hauled him back to the barn, and that was the thing that the vet had told uh, myself and um, the partner on the horse, Carl Hurst, that that you know uh, this is this is a very bad injury. It's career-ending for sure and probably life-ending. And um, so we had a tough time with it when we took the x-rays and, and and looked at him and thought, well, if any horse can do it, this horse can do it because of his personality and, and how he acts and that we know that he likes to lie down quite a bit and um, that was going to be key in his recovery. Well, it obviously helped because I just went up on his Facebook uh, page and uh, saw him uh, walking into his new stall at Crestwood Farm, where he'll be a stallion now. Yeah, he's um, yeah he's going to have the life there for a while, and we've arranged for him to be at Crestwood Farm during the breeding season. Then he'll come back to Indian Ridge Farm, uh, where he's born and raised uh, for the rest of the year. Where Kim and uh, Maria Cable will watch over him and make sure that he has a good life when he's back on the farm. Now, I have to ask you, when, when you finally got the green light uh, from, uh, I believe it was uh, the LSU clinic, uh, did uh, you were able, obviously shipped him back to Frankfurt. Did, did you put him in mm-hmm. uh, kind of just like a, you know, a restricted paddock so he wouldn't you know, think he was his old self and just gallop out on that leg or well, how was the recuperation process uh, at your farm? Well, Dr. Chuck McCauley, who did the surgery at LSU and did a wonderful job, he and his staff, 
um, they were they were taking them out in a uh, makeshift paddock down there with you know four gates, and then they made eight gates and just kind of gave them a little bit more room. He did not do anything crazy when he, they walked him out there the first time. They did a lot of hand grazing with him at first. They were still a little more cautious with him than I would have been, just because they probably. Well, they they got to know him, obviously, but um, I, I would have felt like that he knows what he's doing. And most horses, when they're cooped up for that long, want to just run and jump and play. But um, I feel like that he knew that he was going to protect himself anyhow. So when we got him home, we did um, we put him in the round pen uh, first, and then we 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 made a, uh, a portable stall where we just pushed it around. It was out of um, it's about uh, 12 foot boards, um, 12 by 12, and we, we we put it on wheels. They designed it and put it on wheels, and they pushed it around in the different in the paddock just so he could still graze. And right, uh, we we only had that in them for a short time, though. I mean, we realized that he's going to take everything well, and we turned them out in the uh, Groupie Doll Arena that we had built for. Retraining uh, thoroughbreds into uh, to for show jumping, and so we just put him out there one day, and he's just walking around sniffing all the jumps and looking around. I was like, "Well, he's going to be good in a paddock," and um, he's never, you know, he's just handled everything well. And he'll try to he'll jog a little bit, and he, he's he's healed up fine. He's doing very well. Well, if anybody wants to see how well he's doing, they can go to the players' Facebook page. You'll see him unload from the van and, and walk. I, I know that originally he had a little bit of a hitch in his get-along, but it was hard for me to see. He was walking pretty smooth, and uh, Buff Bradley, I, I, he's a happy horse. You've got to be a happy man to still have him around. And I, I, the players only stand it for 2500 now. That's a pretty good deal. I know you're very familiar with his female family. He's by Street Boss. I hope he's off to a good stud career, and someday you get to train some of his babies, Buff. Well, I hope so, too. Yeah, I think, um, you know, he's really, uh, he comes from a running family, and that's why Carl and I decided, you know, this, let's give him a shot. Um, I know there's a lot of stallions out there, and some stallions that, like, geez, why is this horse going to be standing and maybe they need to go to a different state. And, uh, but we really wanted the player to be here in Kentucky and close to home and where all his family is and where he was born and raised. And that way, he's, you know, he can, he can, it's a short trip home for him. Crestwood does a great job and, um, you know, they, they breed runners too. So that's what we want. Well, I hope that's what you get. Buff Bradley, thanks for spending time with us this evening on Winning Ponies. And good luck at the fairgrounds this weekend and also Oaklawn Park, where uh, Calvin Burrell will be riding Divine Queen for you in the $100,000 American Beauty. Buff, you're one of the best. Best of luck, my friend. Thank you so much, John. All right. Buff Bradley with us. And, hey, I see that we've got my mellow fellow Pete Aiello on the line. Let's take a quick break and get back with the voice of Gulfstream Park. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? 
can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, I can actually say this, an old friend of mine, uh, I haven't seen him in person for years, but I keep up with him on Facebook when he's either fishing or out on a date with his hot girlfriend, the one and the only Pete Aiello. How are you? I'm actually going fishing next week, so look for those photos. (laughs) I will. I will. Uh, Do you still hook up with Curtis Cody every now and then? I haven't seen him in almost two years now. Um, he, uh, I, after I went away from Oakland and he was out of Florida, we our paths haven't crossed. But uh, you know how that is. You always run back into everybody when you least expect it. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, it's been a pleasure watching uh, uh, you and your career uh, blossom. Uh, I could tell that it was going to happen uh, many moons ago when when you were uh, cutting your teeth at uh, at River Downs, and uh, you know, hey, you wouldn't be the first uh, big guy to come out of that place. I mean, you know, Terry Wallace, Bataglia, uh, perhaps one of the best of the best, and uh, Kevin Gomer as far as guys on the the mic and then uh you've got other people that just made their way through there you know top jocks like you know rafael bayerano steve cawthon johnny mckee and uh trainers like neil howard uh kenny mcpeak and uh we've even got uh division one basketball coaches that worked in our parking lot and mick cronin with the cincinnati bearcats so a lot of good people passed through cincinnati i can tell you that and uh, it's actually funny that I was teasing Albert Jimenez the other day. Of course, he he winters in South Florida now. He was the kingpin and gave Periutz a run for his money when I was announcing races at River Downs. And so we kind of kid that uh, our careers kind of followed one another in the sense that he's down here now. And uh, I was calling races when he was uh, a nobody, and now he's riding. And we're, neither one of us are nobodies anymore. 
No, no, it was good too because I got to see Elvin. I was covering the Ohio Derby this year, and he was up to ride some horses up there. And I'm like, you know, it was just so good. It was kind of looked at me like, hey, there's a friendly face and somebody I haven't seen for a while. And I just kind of gave him a little hug and say, hey, good to see you made the bigs, man. He he is a good little rider, and uh, you haven't heard the the last from him. Well, Pete, listen, I I ran out of time in my first segment. Um, covering races of the week can you capsulize the sunshine millions for us uh the sunshine millions that did uh did lived up to the hype you know super Tappet was the classic winner he was so so good but it was a hall of fame race ride by john velasquez if you haven't seen the sunshine millions classic go back and watch it because johnny really took irad ortiz jr to school irad wanted out from behind the speed and he was tucked in right where you wanted to be except he needed a place to go but uh johnny knew that so he moved super Tappet right when he needed to to keep uh, irad boxed in and uh Super Tappet went on to victory, and it was a pretty game run on the Sunshine Millions. And then, for me, the best race of that card was Starship Jubilee. She was parked in the 13 post, and it's usually death when you're going to get the 13 post on the turf at Gulfstream. But not only did she overcome it, she won with something in the tank. So she couldn't have been any more impressive. Claim of a lifetime, too, by the way. Uh, I was also reading that... uh I, I guess it was just a brutal fast pace in in the uh, the sprint race, and I guess X Y Z Jet's gonna still head over to Dubai. I guess he got caught up in uh, way way too fast fractions. Yeah, he got drilled into oblivion. Ray's Warrior actually lived to tell about it. Ray's Warrior went with him in that race, and they went sub-44. We were all talking after the race. You won't see a faster half mile the whole rest of the season at Gulfstream. And Ray's Warrior actually put XY Jet away, and then Quixote reaped the spoils of that duel and ran by to win it. But Ray's Warrior, who went with XY Jet, held on for second. So he's a horse that's on the improve for Jason Service. All right. Well, it was a great card, but no greater card on the American landscape in in this time of the season uh, than uh, I don't know if we call it Pegasus Weekend. Uh, it's just it's an unbelievable card. I pared it down for about four races for us to look at because I had to cut cut it off at the two hundred thousand dollar mark because the races are just too good and. Uh, you know, uh, there, there's so much to talk about. Let's uh, let, let's go right to the top, just in case there's a sandstorm uh, and that cuts the radio station out. And let's go to the nine million dollar Pegasus World Cup, a mile and an eighth on the turf. I mean, uh, you know, <sighs> Accelerate's still in it. We don't know who won the Eclipse Award yet between him and Justify, although I've got a feeling that when you become a Triple Crown winner, you kind of get Horse of the Year no matter what. But, I mean, I love the way that you guys have situated the Pegasus and that a horse of whatever age, as long as he's not a gelding, can go out on a swan song and still make it to wherever he's going to be a stallion. And obviously, it sounds like Accelerate and City of Light are going to share a van ride back to Lane's and, of course, Accelerate was only defeated one time in his entire 2018 season, and that was by City of Light. Does he have a chance for another upset, or is it Accelerate all the way? Ah, uh, That's a very good question, and if you know the answer to that ahead of time, feel free to send me a tweet or an email <laughs> or whatever, because it'll make my race call a heck of a lot easier. 
Um, there is definitely that storyline going into the Pegasus. That's the storyline this year. Of course, last year it was Gunrunner winning Horse of the Year a year ago tonight, only to then go out a winner in the Pegasus World Cup. And, of course, the first year we had a matchup that I'm not sure can be ever eclipsed in California Chrome taking on uh, Arrogate in a rematch of the Breeders' Cup Classic. But this year it's a different dynamic. You have the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile winner in City of Light against the Breeders' Cup Classic winner in Accelerate. I do know this. John Sadler's a pretty conservative guy, but he was very happy with the post draw for Accelerate. Um, I think his running style suits this racetrack very well. But then again, I think City of Light, his running style suits this racetrack very well. So uh, for me, I'm looking forward to a good old-fashioned street fight between those two. Absolutely. And of course, people are saying, well, who do I put on the bottom of my ticket? Well, we know that Audible certainly loves your strip there at Gulfstream Park, as does Gunavera, uh, who's won over $1.8 million at Gulfstream Park alone. Yeah, and they're horses that are just completely opposite horses in terms of for me to see them through the binoculars. I can tell you this, John, every time Audible runs at Gulfstream Park, he never, and I do mean this sincerely, he never looks comfortable. There was a point in the Florida Derby that I thought he was going to pull up. He was way down, way out in the center of the race course with his head up high, just not looking like he was enjoying his trip. And oh, by the way, he ended up winning the Florida Derby by three lengths. So Audible's a tricky horse to, uh, to be a race caller for because he just never looks like he's comfortable. He was not comfortable for sure last time out. Castellano moved him a little bit early, and he got outrun by a rail-skimming ride from Brian Hernandez. Uh, Gunavera, on the other hand, he's an easy horse to call because he just sits back there and makes one run at the end of the race. And um, my friend Edgar Zayas has rode him for so many races in his career. He was injured, and uh, Irad Ortiz Jr. is taking the call. He ran second to accelerate in the Classic, and what a story would be for our local home uh, homeboy, as it were, Antonio Sano and Gunavera. I called Gunavera's very first race. It was a second-place finish behind the then-now horse in three rules. So uh, he's kind of got a special point for me because he was uh, one of the best, uh, really good horses I got to call in the summer season. Absolutely. Extremely exciting. It would make for a great story, but I definitely think that we're looking at Accelerate and City of Light as, as the ones to beat. Now, uh, a horse uh, making his uh, debut uh, at Gulfstream, he's a six-year-old horse now, is uh, Pattern Recognition, uh, seems to be uh, really coming into form as he just turned to six. I guess you won't have to worry about where you're going to have to call him. He'll be breaking from the outside, and I guess he's going to have to go uh, blank to the wall, and he'll probably be on the front end. Yeah, he drew terrible. He drew the far outside gate, so he's going to have to quarter horse along out of there. His tactics will be no secret, but, uh, you know, Chad Brown, he, he seems to work magic in big races like this, so uh, I wouldn't be surprised, if, depending on how the racetrack plays, people are going to try to pack him wide, and then if he gets over and he can back it down in the second quarter, he could be around for a lot longer than people think. The question is, does he really want to go this far? All right, and we would be remiss here talking about the Pegasus World Cup Invitational with Pete Aiello to not mention the Mexican champion undefeated in 14 lifetime starts, Kukula Can, if I'm saying that right, uh, shipped to the United States and uh, seemed to have no problem with the strip at Gulfstream Park, winning by 10 and a quarter lengths. Pete, what do you think? A lot of these horses ship in. They're great horses in, uh, in other parts of the hemisphere, but they just can't stand up to the American horses. 
Well, and you know, and, even, and here's the thing about it. Even if that's true for Kukulkan, uh, I'm proud of the fact that the owner realizes that this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Uh, I was talking to some folks, including Irad Ortiz, about this horse after his last race. And you know what? He's probably not up to speed, but at the same time, you're never going to have a better opportunity if you're a Mexican horse racing aficionado to take a shot against the big boys. And the owners, the uh, San Jorge's, Rancho San Jorge, the breeder, and Quadra San Jorge is the owner, they're not suffering in the wallet department. So, you know, this is a situation where they can hold their flag up high and bring a horse that they called Mexican Pharaoh to Gulfstream Park again <laughs> and really take on the best in the world. That's what it's all about. I love it. I love it. And uh, he's got a jockey I think I've heard of before that's going to be riding for the first time, Frankie DeTore. Yeah, Frankie's coming in for the turf race. He uh, He's going to be riding one of his European invaders in the turf race, so they figured, why not? They'll, they'll get a world-class rider for a world, world-traveled world horse, and it's interesting, too, because uh, in the Classico Caribbean series, the race he won last time out, the Classico del Caribe, that was all about different countries and the Latin American contingent, and Mexico was taking on Puerto Rico in the race, but ironically enough, Irad Ortiz Jr. was from Puerto Rico, rode the Mexican horse. So you had the Mexican flag being waved by a Puerto Rican, which was a bizarre sight. And then I guess Saturday you'll have the Italian flag being waved by Frankie Torre. I don't know if he'll wave the Mexican flag or not. All right. Well, we uh, we did talk a little bit about the, you brought up the, the World Cup turf. And uh, you're going to have to carry me a little bit here, Pete, because all of a sudden I looked at my PPs and realized page three is missing. But that doesn't leave off the favorite or a very interesting horse from Japan. I should say we have two interesting horses that were bred in Japan. Yoshida, who's trained by Bill Mott, that just uh, ran fourth, beaten only a length and three quarters by Accelerate and Gunavera. And let's face it, this horse is better on the turf than he is on the main track. And then you have this kind of uh, unknown uh, quantity of this Japanese horse, Aralith, but again, he's one of those horses that comes from Japan whose earnings, I believe, are inflated at uh, $3 million. And of course, uh, don't ever leave a big turf race out when Aiden O'Brien has a runner in there. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways to go in the race. And, you know, it seems to be the rule rather than the exception that all of these horses have made really positive impressions on the folks here at Goldstream, the clockers and, and folks of that nature that know what they're looking at and they're knowing what to do. And the one thing that I am so intrigued by is, is the, the buzz about Aerolith is that she has been facing some of the world's best turf horses in her native Japan. I know for a fact that she's been drinking bottled water since she got here because they don't want to take any chances and they want her in her comfort zone. And the international handicappers that I follow and respect have said that if this race was run in any other country but the U.S., there is no way on the planet that Aerolith would let alone be morning line of 8-1, to one, but even dismissed it anywhere close to that. So for my money, I'm going to go with the unknown commodity in Aerolith. She is supposed to be a horse who likes a hard turf course. Well, she's going to get one, even though we had some rain at Gulfstream Park. The turf course is playing very kind to horses on or near the lead. That's her running style. I think Fahan Murrah is going to be destined for the top of the race, but if Aerolith can angle to her flank and get a tracking two-path trip, uh, we'll be able to see how good she really is, and that would be my pick in the race. 
Very interesting. We talked with Pete Aiello, Aerolith. Now I know how to uh, pronounce it. Uh, we'll be getting one of the top grass riders, I'm going to say, in the world in Florent Giroux. Uh, they didn't bring over a uh, jockey from Japan. But while we're talking about Japan, we can't overlook uh, Yoshida, uh, the Bill Mott horse that uh, likes to come from off the pace. But definitely this horse's game is on the grass 10 turf starts, four wins, three-thirds for 889000 On the turf has won $1.5 million. As far as a race setup situation, I guess we're talking about Aerolith will be on or close to the pace. Magic Wand That's could join, and Yoshida likes to come from well off it. Yeah, I expect the uh, the long shot in the race, Fahan Murrah, who's got really good since I got to call her last. The last time I called Fahan Murrah, she was fourth behind a horse who's still trying to win a two-other-than allowance on the turf at Gulfstream. She's got really good since then for trainer Vladimir Sarin. I think the waters are a little too deep for her, but I do think she's an important component to the race because she'll be on or near the lead. They expected, and they the the uh, English translator, translator that came with Aerolith have said they will be forwardly placed so look for her to be racing into the top flight and you know chad brown we talked about him in the uh, in the dirt race with pattern recognition he has bricks and mortar and this would be one heck of a story john this horse has one race since october of 2017 and it was a full of run allowance win last time out he blew by the competition you have to figure that chad didn't have him crank for that race now he's taking a step into the big leagues but i think he's ready to do that as he comes off a pretty good figure last time out in a 102 uh, well, for $7 million, it's certainly with it. All right, Pete, not sure how much time we got left. I'm going to let you pick the La Provente, and I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, or the W.L. McKnight. Which one you want to tackle? Well, to be honest with you, I haven't looked at either one, so we can go with either <laughs> one. Uh, I, will, I will tell you this, a little fun fact about both of those races. Both of those races were inherited by Gulfstream Park from the old tropical race meeting that was held at Calder for years and years. And the La Provayante and the McKnight were both the feature races in the month of December at Calder. So a little useless trivia for you there. One of my favorite horses growing up was a horse named Wycappy. He actually got put up on DQ in the McKnight when I was a young horse player, and he went off at 26 to 1 to do it. So that race always has a very near and dear relationship to my horse playing. And either one of these races could be a, a rider's race because you're going a mile and a half. And I'm so glad you gave us the weather report that it looks like we are going to get these races on the turf. So that will help our, our listeners uh, with their handicapping. Sometimes it's iffy, but usually in South Florida, you're pretty safe. Might get a shower or so, but the, you get a lot of uh, turf races in. So a very unique uh, situation for both of these races. One kind of cut out for the girls, one cut out for the boys. The La Provente. What, what are you going to call that race? Will you help me? The La Provente. La Provente. I'm sorry, I flunked French. Um, I hate so, French myself. There are certain words that I can do, though, and that's one of them. <laughs> the, French, the French horse names and me are not friends. I can handle the Spanish ones, but the French ones give me fits. <laughs> you do a good job and you do a good job pete aiello at researching i know a lot of times uh you know guy will have a maiden in or something and he's got kind of one of these uh bizarre names that could easily be pronounced uh, any one of three ways and you usually do your homework and call down to the trainer or the owner and say hey how do you what do you want me to call this horse you got it spelt 
some way that it could be pronounced a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one of the best things that happens to me on a regular basis is if, in fact, I call one wrong, I do not mind in the slightest if an owner calls and corrects them for me. I, uh, I feel bad that they have to do that, but at the same time, I'm glad when they do do it because a lot of times you just don't know. And sometimes, John, and I know you know this, it's tomato-tomato. I mean, I remember uh, at, at River Downs, one of my favorite stories was there was a horse that Charlie Lawson owned and trained named Lewa, which, of course, means the king in French, and I called him Lewis, and Charlie called me up, and he says, you're saying my horse's name wrong. I said, no, I'm not, Charlie. He says, yes, you are. He says, his name is Leroy. So, <laughs> so he wanted me to call him Leroy, and I, I obliged. I called him Leroy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you, 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 you've got to have a lot of great stories. I, I only got uh, a minute left before we close, so... Uh, I, I want to thank you, and I want to say by now the experience you've gotten at Gulfstream. By the way, I listen to you a lot. You're you're sounding fantastic. I mean, I think the days of the butterflies in your stomach are over. You can handle a nine million dollar race, and you know, not lose sleep over it the night before. Well, that's probably half true, but uh, I definitely will lose sleep over it. I'm actually struggling to uh, to keep my voice at 100% right now, so that's got me a little bit nervous. But I will say this to your point, being able to do it twice already, call two Pegasus World Cups and not screw up, that's certainly huge in the psychological department because I can go back and think of the last two years and didn't mess it up. So I don't have that, I don't have that guy on my shoulder going, you're going to screw it up like I would have a couple years ago. <laughs> I remember calling you before your biggest one early on. Well, Pete, it's been a pleasure watching your career grow. It's been a pleasure uh, being able to call you a friend of mine, and I, I will be listening to you all day long on Saturday. Well, thanks very much. I hope everyone has a great Pegasus Day. It's, it is a great day of racing, and if you're a betting fan at all, you're going to love the card if you haven't looked at it yet. All right, thanks a lot. We've been talking with uh, my main man, Pete Aiello, the mellow fellow, the voice of Gulfstream Park. I also want to thank Buff Bradley and his great stories about his now stallion, the player who stands at Crestwood Farm. Uh, I want to thank our producer, Josh by Gosh, our caterer, Sal Manella, and Lisa Toyota, who takes care of our, our uh, transportation, my personal trainer, gymnasium, and, of course, my personal physician, Dr. Fager. I'm John Engelhart. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.